0: Hey, I, I'm I'm impressed that you're actually sitting in here and shivering. This is good. <laughs> this is good. Uh, you know, it's going to sound straight strange, but I thought if we'd all get together in a real tight knit area, we could all be warmer. That's not the way it works. But that's not the way it works, is it? That's too bad. It would work that way if we were in Hawaii. It would be a good day. I'm glad to be here. My wife sends her greetings. She's made it here one time but wants to come back, and maybe the next time she will, we'll hope, hopefully she will. So uh, it's always good to be in City Temple. Amen? Amen. You know what? I'm going to pray. <laughs> Father God, I thank you for the snow. I thank you for the snow that blanketed the land, that blanketed the buildings, that caused the people to come to a slower pace, That gave people an opportunity to not just be upset with it, but to stop and think and maybe reconnect with family. I thank you, Lord, that you used the circumstances of our life to step into the middle of our lives and accomplish your will. Father, I ask that the snow that was here that is now melting, that the water of this snow would water the seeds of revival that were planted centuries ago. Father, I ask that those seeds which are already growing would be nourished by what you're doing in this hour and that they would spring forth and blossom in the land. Father, I thank you that your eye is upon this nation and every nation of the earth, and it is harvest time. Thank you, Lord, for workers. Thank you for workers, Lord. Make us workers in the field, faithful laborers, for your kingdom's sake, and that Christ may have his bride. In Jesus' name, amen? 2012, I was in Hong Kong traveling with a missions organization. Uh, We had just finished a conference, and it is a way of saying thank you to the uh, worship team. We took the entire worship team that was a local team from local churches to a dinner at a very nice hotel. We were on the 40th floor, beautiful view of Hong Kong. Uh, Hong Kong shoots fireworks off every night. It's one of the greatest spectacular light shows that you can see. My understanding is they may have stopped it. Uh, So we had this wonderful view of this, and you'd open the door, and you're on the 40th floor, and the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour, and the tables blew over, and it was ugly. But it was a remarkable night. My good friend Tim, who was the president of the missions organization, was at the other end of the table... I was seated all the way at the other end, just minding my own business, and I hear with a loud voice, how many of you know when your boss speaks, you kind of recognize your your boss's voice? Is that true for you guys? Right? Yeah. And I heard with a loud voice, I hear, Wayne, you're in. And, you know, this is kind of like way too open-ended, and I'm thinking, Wayne, I'm in, and my normal response was, Tim, what am I in for? And he said, $100, deserving of a second question, $100 for what, Tim? He said, a cow. This isn't getting any better. You understand where this story is going? This is not getting any better. But here's the background of the story. He's sitting across the table with another very good friend of another president of another organization who has one of his local ministers from Kenya that he works with at the conference. And it turns out that this local minister has fallen in love with a beautiful young lady in Kenya. How many of you men know that that just happens without our planning? It just shows up one day, (laughs) grabs a hold of us. And he decided he wanted to marry this woman. So he went through the ceremonial uh, process and it was decided that if he was going to marry this woman, he needed 20 cows for a dowry. 20 cows. And I just want to say, this isn't how we do this in America. It may be how you do it here. I'm fine with that. It's not a, it's not a bad or a right or a wrong way. It's just a way, right? So he needed 20 cows, right? And for two years, he's been working, and he has... Four cows, right? And because Tim is a wonderful man and never wants to see a man suffer by not having his spouse, Tim had now shifted into, I will raise the money from this table for 16 more cows. Thus, Wayne gets a call of, You're in! What am I in for, Tim? $100! What's it for, Tim? A cow. But the backside of the story is the man was going to receive his wife. The next day, the money was raised, I will say, about around the table. We raised the fourteen hundred dollars, sixteen hundred dollars. The next day he stood up in the meeting and with tears in his eyes, he stood up and he said to everybody in the meeting, He said, Next year, if you invite me back, I will bring my wife with me, and you will see a woman that is worth 20 cows. (laughs) And you know, I'm sitting there thinking, that ain't going to fly in America. (laughs) You know? But see, there was value. There was finite value involved that the one that he was marrying was worth something. Okay? I want to talk about this today this communion table, and I want to relate the communion table that you're about to partake with to the whole betrothal ceremony in the Jewish tradition. Would that be okay? Can we go down that road? Here's how this would normally go, and I need you to plug in your prophetic side and get mental pictures of this. You're living in a village... In the village, you've had your children and your neighbors had their children, and all the children are playing together. In this society, the father and mother choose the husband that the daughter will marry. So as the children are raising up together, mom and dad are constantly watching, if you have a son, all the little girls, and how they're kind of turning out. And they're watching how how their son interacts with all these different girls. And, you know... Every now and then, they see a little spark in their son's eye that's kind of like, oh, this is his best friend over here. He was, they were best friends when they were six. And now they're best friends when they're nine. And she actually thinks he's kind of cute, which is an amazing thing, because he looks like me, right? So it's a son, right? And, and they're watching this. And then one day, they're of age. And it's the father and mother's responsibility, you see, to find the wife for their son. So what they decide is they talk it over with each other and they say, okay, we think this is the girl that should marry our son. And the process then begins. So the the father of the bridegroom goes by himself and meets with the father of the future bride. And he says to him, sir, I would like to bring my son and sit and dine at the table with you and I would like you to bring your daughter and sit and dine at the table with us. Immediately, the father of the bride is saying, I know what this is all about. He knows what's up. And they come to a table very similar to this right here. And on this side over here, you can just picture, here's this beautiful young lady sitting here. And here's her dad sitting here scowling. Not really sure about this young man. You know how fathers are, right? Right, girls, right? And over on this side, here's this young man, in full of his youth and young adulthood, and he's just full. And you know, and his eyes are as big as saucers, because he knows why he's there. You know, and he's getting excited because he's a young man, and his dad is sitting over here. And he realizes he's got the most important negotiation to enter into right now. Because what happens next is gonna determine whether it kind of goes forth and back. So the dad's responsibility is to tell them how great their son is. You know, and he's saying things, he's a hard worker, He's done very well in school. You know, he's already invested in three different businesses. They've all made money. He knows the Torah front, back. He is just the best thing since apple pie. And he's reasonably handsome. Right? At which time, after he gives this wonderful speech, he then is quiet. The son has said nothing. He's just sitting there googly-eyed. Because he's got a wife coming, maybe. Right? She has said Nothing. And her father has said nothing. They lean back from the table and they start this conversation alone, quietly. And what they're talking about is two things. First of all, does she like this young man? Is he acceptable to her? Okay? And then second of all, how many cows is she worth? What's the price? See, this is where the rubber is gonna meet the road. Now, how many of you who have how many of you have daughters? How many of you know your daughter is worth a lot of money, aren't isn't it? Amen? That's right. That's right. Because that's the way dads are with daughters. It's kind of like, dude, you don't have near enough money for my daughter, right? <laughs> that's just the way it is, right? So over here, father of the bride to be potentially, the bride, come to a conclusion. Over here, the father of the groom pours a cup of wine, sits it right in the middle of the table and leaves it sit there. The bridegroom and the father come to their agreement, yes, this is a good deal. She leans forward, picks the cup up, drinks the wine, and sets it back down. The father of the bride, groom, turns to his son and says, son, it's time for us to go. He does not drink from the cup. And he leans forward to the bride, looking right in her eyes and says, wait until I send the groomsman to get you to come to the wedding. Everybody's starting to catch where this is going already? And so they leave, you see, and the son, guess what? The son is now like over the top, right? But what he doesn't realize is he's going back to his father's house because that's where they're going to live, and he needs to build an addition in the house that's worthy of his future bride. So he goes back because he's excited, and he builds an addition in two weeks. The father goes, really? She's worth a lot more than that. He says, you need to push out those walls a little. Don't you think we ought to have some nice cabinets over here? Don't you think it'd be good to have a window? I mean, it'd be a really big picture window right over in here. Wouldn't that be a good idea for your future wife? You see, dad's in complete control. Until the room's built, dad doesn't give permission to his son to go get his bride. So he's the one that's in charge of when that time is. When dad finally comes down and he looks at the room and he says, yeah, this is good. This, is, this Son, you did a really good job. He then gathers the bridegroom's groomsmen together and says the wedding's on, and the groomsmen then are sent out to go get the bride. You getting the picture here? And they go out and they start announcing The bridegroom is coming! The bridegroom is coming! The bridegroom is coming! And the bride, who's already got her dress ready, she's ready to go and just been waiting, starts to get really excited because she knows her bridegroom is at hand. She knows it's time. They come. They get married. They go back to the place that was built in their father's house. And they start their journey together. You see, this table is a betrothal table. What we're really celebrating here is what Jesus did. Let me jump ahead. How about we go to an upper room Jesus is sitting with all of his disciples in the upper room and they're about to have a feast. In the middle of the feast, he says something really strange. This is my body that was broken for you. Right? And he breaks the bread, sits it on the table. Then he says something even more strange. He says, this is my blood that was shed for you. Pours the wine, sets it on the table. Now, these are good Jewish men. You see, they know what this means in the marriage feast. And you're Peter, and you're John, and the rest of the disciples, and you're going, what is he saying? Is he, is he telling me that he's going to give his life for us, that we're that valuable? Is, is he saying we're to be betrothed to him? The answer is yes. That's exactly what he's saying. That's exactly what he's saying. He's saying, you were worth the ultimate price. I had nothing more I could give. You were worth the price that I paid for you. And he's saying, yes, just the way you are. Come and be betrothed. Oh, he said one other thing. He says, I'm looking forward to the day you come to my father's house and the room that I made for you will be ready. And forever and ever and ever and ever will be one with the father and each other. You see, this is a betrothal table. This is a remembrance of what Jesus, if you're born again and know Christ, and he's living in your heart, this is a remembrance of his pledge to you that in the Jewish culture, when you were betrothed, your marriage had already begun. You just had not consummated the journey. And he wants us to remember that, yes, Lord, I am betrothed to you, and I do forsake all others. I do not follow after other gods. I do not follow after other ways. I do walk by the power of your spirit and the fullness of your word. There is no one else above you, Lord. That's what's at this table. It's a deep, personal, one-on-one. You may come with your family, but each of you gets saved, one person at a time. You see, before the foundations of the earth, the God who was, that was not created determined that his son would have a bride made up of many, many people but that would be one bride who would come one way that he would pay the price for. Communion was never meant to be, I'm going to say this gently, communion is not once a month. Communion is minute by minute the celebration and the remembrance in the corporate gathering which we're asked to do by the Lord is to remind us. The current state is temporary. This is just a temporary thing because the real marriage begins when you leave here. The real consummation is when we're face to face. We feel no guilt. We feel no shame because we've been bought with a price. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads for just one moment. One place that I've learned that there are often a lot of people who do not know Jesus is in church. And I don't know where any of you are. Jesus knows. You know. And I say to you today, if you don't know Christ, you may know about him, but if you've never accepted his sacrifice, if you've never accepted that he died for your sins specifically, and that he is the only one worth following, today's your day. Today's your day. If that's you today, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to say to you, come with a repentant heart and take and eat of this bread and drink of this wine and be born again this day and start your journey. For those of us who have been on the journey and are on the journey, then let us remember this is but a fleeting moment. This is but a fleeting moment and as good as it is and it's good people, knowing Christ is extraordinary. There's nothing else like it that mankind can do. And as good as this is, the best is yet to come. (laughs) Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. I'll let you orchestrate this.